Welcome to the Black Canadian Content Creators Podcast, a show where we focus on celebrating content creators who live or are born in Canada and identify as Black, African, Caribbean, mixed, or Afro-Canadians. I'm your host, Shirley Joseph. This podcast delivers a variety of content creators you really need to know. Learn from creators from their beginning, their lessons, and what they share in the digital realm. Today, I'll be speaking to one of our members at BCANCC, Ricardo McRae. Ricardo is a brand builder entrepreneur to now a specialist in money makeovers for families and entrepreneurs. As a trailblazer, Ricardo is known for his commitment to business, creativity, finance, and community champion. He fuses his unique mastery of fine arts, project management, and technology into the momentum-building solutions that he designs for his client. And now, he customizes wealth-building strategies and investing options from retirement planning, uh, employer benefit package, life insurance, critical illness, disability insurance, and education planning for children. Like his bio says in his LinkedIn, fine art to finance is what Ricardo McCray is all about. Now it's time to roll out the red carpet for our special guests, my conversation with Ricardo McCray. I'm very excited to have a good friend of ours, someone who has helped us with our finance, and we'll get more into that. Ricardo McRae, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure, and I love it. I love it when we hang out. I wanted to say thank you, first of all, because you've been instrumental in um, bringing awareness of the group, actually, and you, you you helped me have so many people know that this space finally exists. So thank you for that. Thank you for sharing within your network that this space was created. When I see good things, I like <laughs> to actually put my uh, action <laughs> and money behind it so that it works. It's, it's more than, you know, when we see good things, it's almost like, good for you. It's like, no, like share it, do something to actually move the dial, tell someone. Yeah. Shop at the store, eat the food, whatever the case is. Yeah. And actually put the real energy and stuff behind it. So whenever I see good things, I uh I do that. Share. So yeah. <laughs> yes. This is good. So I shared it. I'm yes. like, awesome. That's what we need more of this. <laughs> so we're in Toronto and if you don't know Ricardo McCrae, uh, you need to know today. Uh just Google his name and you will see everything about him he is about art about uh branding uh you know he's a brand builder and now he is a specialist in money money makeover specifically for families and entrepreneurs and i know you've we've had many meetings you've helped our family you so many light bulb moments (laughs) when it comes to uh when it comes to money and thinking about money uh not in the present but what are you going to do with it for the future um whether you have uh, kids or not it's important you know to pay yourself first right so we'll get into that okay but first First. i I want people to know about you you know uh, i love this part where in one in your bio where you say from fine art to finance so how 
so maybe you're you're listening to the shows like, well, how come Ricardo's on the show? Is he a content creator? Yes, because what's really fascinating about you is that you utilize creating content, specifically social media, in order to get people to um, understand your business and and funnel them to your business. Uh, but before we get into that, who are you, Ricardo McRae? From fine fine art, you started off as a as you st- you are a artist. Yeah, big pieces like four feet by six feet, like art art. Like your art art. <laughs> no, like people. It's interesting. It's there were some people in my office before I put up some of my pieces, and they were like, "Oh, you're an artist." Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, you get. I that. was one of them. <laughs> and then I was like, "No," and then I put up a couple of my pieces, and people came. Well, who did that? I'm like, I did it. They're like, No, Ricardo. Like, who really did that? That's actually a piece of art. I was like. So wait, what did you think I did before? Yeah. No, it's, you know, I've, I've been an artist my entire life. My mom's an artist. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's where I got it. Mom, she's, I grew up painting my entire life. We've always had works of art up and, and Jeffrey Holder in the house. Like, we've always been artists. And your mom, did she, was she a painter or is she like a... Another Renaissance woman before the Renaissance. She was... <laughs> the first female architect in the Caribbean. Wow. And a teacher of architecture for over 25 years. Uh, she worked here in Canada as well as an architect for a bit, then went into, currently lives in Windsor and is now working with people who have disabilities in homes. She manages one of those homes. Oh, wow. She's done a depth and breadth of things all over. She's always done stuff. We've always been creative and making art has just been part of our life. We've always had massive paintings in our homes. It's just like, well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know another way to exist. It was like, where's your art? <laughs> and it's so, it's so funny because in our community, I, I, maybe that's why the response is like, oh, no, you're like an art art artist. <laughs> I don't know what even. <laughs> like, I literally have no idea what that means when people say it. I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in my own bubble. I don't understand that it's weird. Yeah, it's just kind of. I guess because I know for me, when you said that in the in our well, I, I rarely run into, and it's really about the people you surround yourself with, right? So I rarely ran into visual black artists like yourself. It's it's rare. Yeah, like I run into them every day. See, you know, as soon as I look are... in the mirror, I'm like <laughs> artist. <laughs> I, I yeah, I don't even. I I don't know. I've always sought out and. Uh, artists and creatives in the world. Uh, when I left corporate uh, years and years ago in like 1999, 2000, in that zone, uh, I was like, everyone's like, oh, you're going to start? I was an artist. Like, I had this six figure job working in tech. Mm. And then I resigned, and everyone was like, you don't resign from a six figure job as a black man. I was, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just no. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, I want to go be an artist. I want to be creative. And my mom freaked out, the family, like, to this day, people still freak out about it. Really? And I'm like, no, I'm going to use creativity and art to, as the foundation for my life. Mm. And, you know, after years of crying and other people just go, oh, please go back. I'm like, no. <laughs> but really, I started looking for people who were successful in art as examples. So I did Google searches. I did all these things to find the examples. Because I don't care what you want to do in the world. Somebody's done it probably before. 
So find that example. So I went, I'm like, who is an artist who's rich and black and just live in this bohemian lifestyle? Did all stuff. I found Jeffrey Holder. He was Trinidadian. He danced with Alvin Ailey when he first started his studio. He performed on Broadway. He acted in the Bond movies. He was in TV commercials, painted art. He was like, he just lived this massive creative life. I went, yeah, that's, that's what I want. You live where? In Manhattan? Beautiful place. I'm like, yeah, that's the life I want to live. I'm going to ask this guy to mentor me. So I called him. So I, back then I Googled him, found some phone number. Like, I had nothing else to do, so I'm just Googling all day. I found it, and I was like, hmm. Then I Googled the address that was with it, and I went, I went Google Street View to see where it was. And I'm looking at the building. It's downtown Manhattan. It looks like a house. It doesn't look like an office. I went, this could be his home number. I'm going to call the number. So I dialed the number, and he picks up the phone. He's like, hello? And I went, oh, shit. And I hang up the phone. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so I ended up calling him back uh, probably a week or so later. I said, how are you doing? You know, he's Ricardo, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not a stalker. I live in Toronto. Uh, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. I just resigned from my job, and I want to be an artist, and I want you to mentor me. Wow. Like, just like that. Yeah. Just call him. And he started cussing. Who the fuck is it? I was like, what? That's neat. And it's and it's <laughs> it was interesting to me to see or actually to hear someone who you respect start cussing at you like like you're in the streets in a fight. And I went, This is different. <laughs> wow. And he said, you know what, call me back on August like the fifth or sixth or something like this. And I went, But that's your birthday. He goes, I said, Call me back. And we hung up. I was like, Okay. So it happened to be Caravana Weekend in Toronto. So Saturday, Caravan, I'm, you know, jumping up in the parade. I'm like, oh, guy said, call him back. And it's, I don't know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. He wanted me to call him. So I'm at the parade. I have my little flip phone. This is how old it is. I had a little flip phone. I had a little calling card from the CC long distance because I ain't got no money. Yeah. So I'm like calling him on a calling card. And I beeline down to the lake. Mm. And I find a quiet spot and I call him back. And then we talk for about. 45 minutes and he just basically was going through like so who are you he's like he was at his birthday party guest hanging he goes excuse me for a minute and he goes into another room and he talks to me for 45 wow and he's like yeah this and that this is what's going on he's like oh and he's asking all these questions and he literally gave me four pieces of advice that changed my life and can goes, you share well, do you remember i remember what they i a bad memory but i <laughs> wrote them down i wrote a blog post about it and i still have it the Somewhere. blog post is turned off, but I still have that blog post where he talks about keeping everything you do because you don't understand how good it is until years later. Mm. He's like, put everything you do in a frame. He said, because the frame is more important than the art. Mm. And most artists like cringe and like, that's impossible. My sensibilities. But really, it's true. It's like the frame is where that art will live forever. Wow. So if you're work doesn't live within that frame well it's not going to be presented well Mm. people won't receive it well he goes when i'm painting he goes i hold a frame up to it to see what it looks like in a frame and then i take the frame off and i continue painting go back and forth with this frame and i went that's so true (laughs) it lives in the frame Mm -hmm. so why not put the frame there while you're creating it like how is this going to be displayed or presented and that piece of advice uh carried me like to this day in my yeah. career and life and everything else it's framing i have a podcast called the framing podcast because of that it's the frame we put on things determines the value other people 
see in it. And it's the best possible way to present your ideas to the world. This is um, so interesting. So our, my, for our editor for the show, my hubby is also an artist and I never understand, you know, okay. <laughs> He's shaking his head. But it always happens. You're in a relationship for a long time. You know, your partner or your wife oh, yeah, or wife yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. tells you for years, listen, and you don't listen. And it takes someone on the outside that kind of put it into perspective for you. This is what I'm having. This is one of those moments Drives right now. Me bad. <laughs> Are we talking to my wife? <laughs> I will be sharing stuff with her. And then like two years later, someone says it. And she goes, this is genius. And I look at her like, mm-hmm. I told you this two years Wasn't ago. Wasn't genius two years ago? What? And she does the same thing to me. She's like, I've been telling you for years. <laughs> but you say sharing that story made me think like, so we have a painting. Like Our daughter has like a bunch of paintings and we still don't have it up on the wall. And then Clove's like, no, we need a frame. And I'm yeah. like, just have it on the wall. I don't understand. No. And he's like, no, we need a good frame. Yeah. But now that you said that, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. It's about adding the that value, the packaging, the... The full circle of what she's created. It tells people how valuable it is when you put it in the frame. Right. Tells people the value you put to it and they go, oh, if you think it's valuable. And this continues this spiral. So whether you are presenting a blog post or this, make sure the graphics are on point. Make sure the website's on point. Uh, I do the same thing with with our son. He has like artwork. He brings it home and we frame it. We got to go to Ikea. We get these little $5 frames and we frame them and put them up in his room. And he comes home now and he expects, because he sees my work up and stuff in the house. And he's like, he came out with like scotch tape or something the other day and we were sleeping. And he goes, Mommy, I framed the piece. We're like, You did what? <laughs> so he taped his piece to the wall. He goes, I want mine on the wall like daddy. Aww. You know, we left it up for a week and then we gently took the tape. <laughs> but it's, he frames his work. Like he puts it on the fridge and he has to put it in a frame and it's interesting that no one even spoke to him about this but he, he sees it by he sees example. it it's example it's like he sees us doing this he sees us doing it with his work so when he has something he puts it in a frame and he puts it up and i'm like oh my little heart <laughs> it's so funny you talk about this because now i am starting to understand why you were a brand builder for so long because that's what being a brand builder is Mm. Right. It's like putting the whole frame, the whole picture presented it, you know, putting it together. So it's presented and seen the way it should with value. Yeah. How did you get into brand building? How did you go from, you know, fine art to being a brand strategist builder? It's hmm, I just made it up. (laughs) What do you mean? I, my background's in fine art, sculpture, painting, the classics, you know, the drawing the human form and understanding proportions and lighting and muscles and bones, and then went into tech, selling corporate internet technology to countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back then, a dial-up account from us was $1,500 a month for a dial-up account. Wow. Like, this is the early days of the internet. Yeah, yeah. And I got that job without any experience in technology because I walked in and I said, uh, yeah, you should hire me. It's like, why? You have a degree in art. I went, yeah, I naturally think outside of the box. And he went, mm, good point. Let's give it a shot. 
So he spent a few years in that company selling internet to major corporations around the world. Like you had to have an office in three different countries at a minimum before we would talk to you. Oh, wow. So it was like super high, like we sold to the government stock Medium exchange. Medium to large and, size organization. No, no, like global. Oh, global, okay. Like countries. Okay. Bell Canada is a customer. Like that level of, it's super, it's, it's, yeah. that's a whole different yeah. rabbit hole. But <laughs> did that. And then when I resigned from that job, I was like, I got to be, I got to use my creativity because my best friend was dying of cancer at the time. He'd since passed. And I asked him a question. He was in the hospital one day and I just went to visit him and he's getting chemo and losing weight. I said, what's your biggest regret knowing you're going to die? I said, you're not going to make it. Mm. And because we had real conversations like this all the time. He goes, Ricardo, you're the only person that talks to me about cancer. I'm like, I said, for real? He's like, yeah. He's like, nobody. I'm like, how's the C doing today? You know, I'd call him on the phone. And he's like, today's a bad day. Today's a good day. We'll just talk about it. He goes, I really appreciate it. He said, nobody talks about cancer. They act like, you'll be okay, buddy. Um, chin up, you know? And it's like, oh, I got cancer. Like, I'm, it's yeah. not getting better. Yeah. So I asked him, what it would, what's his re- biggest regret knowing that he will die? And he said, not finishing a jazz album. He said, I have a six-year-old son. He will never hear me play music because I made every excuse under the, in the world not to finish it. it. was the money. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right... All of these different things. And that struck a chord with me. That's one of those moments in life that you will never forget. And I went, right. I got to go do art, mm. regardless of the price. And I resigned from my job about three, a month later. And I walked out onto the street and I went, okay, time to do some art. I'm like, I don't care what I do because people wanted me to be part of organizations and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope. I'll be part of your creative team, but I won't be the president. And they were like, no, I want you to do this, Ricardo. I was like, no. Unless it allowed me to be creative, I just didn't do it. That was the only criteria I had. And got myself a little art studio, started painting and drawing, doing shows and, you know, selling work and all that good stuff. And a friend of mine was complaining about not having a website. Like, over. And, and I'm like, would you shut up about this website thing? <laughs> I said, I will build you a website. I said, if I build your website, will you stop complaining? She goes, yes, that'll be great. Thanks, Ricardo. <laughs> did and, and you, did you know th- no, how to? I don't know how to build a website. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I literally went on there. I was like, went to Google how to build a website. Yeah. And I Googled it and I was like, okay. And then I built her a website. Like I just taught myself how to do it and built her a website. She was so happy. It took me like, it was blood, sweat and tears and ugly, but it was like, duct tape and hairpins yes but i got it done <laughs> and someone liked it and they go how much to build one and i'm like 300 bucks and she went okay and i built, did the same thing again and i just kept going and everything i would just promise people that i can do things and then just go to google and youtube hey man and like, <laughs> how to do that how to do this like, it's amazing what you can learn from youtube i built a career for 15 years doing it. yeah i ended up like when i started building brands and website it was 300 dollars for the whole website when I got out of the business, was $1,000 a page. Mm-hmm. And the most I've ever made on one project was $100,000 in 30 days. Wow. Wow. YouTube, Google. Just how, to, how, to, how to shoot a movie. <laughs> like, literally. Right, because you, you went to Trinidad, did an amazing yeah. vi- uh, video about, I think it was their fashion. We were positioning their fashion their fashion on the world stage. So they were like, how do we increase tourism and 
you know, get the economy spurred on from fashion and highlight our designers. And someone we had met there, my aunt knew somebody who recommended that they use us for X, Y, Z. And they called us. I'm like, could you shoot this film? I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. I could do that. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, send in a proposal. We did it in a week. And the, I remember doing, like, I remember thinking to myself, I said, I'm going to get an outlandish amount of money for doing it. I went, I said, we're probably not going to get it. Who cares? Like, let's just. You don't know until you ask, let's, right? Let's just see what, let's just see how big this thing can get. Mm-hmm. And we asked for uh, $1 million TT, which is $100,000 Canadian mm-hmm. to shoot a 15-minute movie. And we're like, yeah, let's just, what do we have to lose? Hey, I don't have the money now. <laughs> and if you pick it, I'm like, hooray for me. So we put it, I was like, we were tweaking the numbers. We had spreadsheets. We had the whole thing. We're like going through. And it was like 80,000, 90,000, 96,000. I'm like, it's got to get over 100. And I remember we were sitting there. And the lawyer's like, dude, we have like maxed out the price on everything. I'm like, we're like squeezing. Let's add more. Turn this up. More of this. Add another person. Do I'm like, it's going over. I'm like, I just want it to be over 100 grand. So we said it was like 100,000 and like 6,000 or something like it, whatever it was. And we sent it into them. They came back to us within a week and said, listen, you, the, you know, the committee has reviewed everything and all these other firms from New York City and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it was a unanimous decision that we picked you. Nice. I went, <clears throat> okay. Now I got to Google. He's like, <laughs> we have one problem. I said, what's the problem? He's like, you're a 10 times higher than the closest competitor in price. I went, that means the closest competitor was $10,000. And we came in at $100,000. And I went, yeah, okay. And inside, I'm like losing it. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And he's like, yeah, you got to, what can you do to come down in price? I said, uh, not much. I said, that's actually just the price. He went, okay. I said, all right, then. So I'll send you the paperwork, and uh, you'll do the, we need a 50% deposit to start. He's like, all right, we'll get stuff started. I'll get you over the accounting and blah, 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 blah. And we were like. I hung up the phone. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's how we did a six-figure job. In thir- it was a 30-day turnaround. They were going to use it in the Olympic Games. Oh, wow. In England. That was like a big international deal. They were going to play it on all the airplanes that fly in and out of Trinidad on the local airline, Hummingbird or whatever it was. And <laughs> it's that, those things didn't end up happening, but we ended up releasing it online. And you could still see it today. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, was, it. it went viral, had hundreds of thousands of views. Go to hotekarib.com. H-A-U-T-E-C-A-R-I-B-E.com. And you can have a look at what we did. It's be- yeah, it's a, great, it's a great film. I'm and- super proud of that. Like, that is one of the crowning moments of my entire creative career, to be able to be part of that uh, and present and frame Trinidad in such a way. Frame! Exactly. It was like, how do we take that throughout the show? (laughs) Trinidad and present it as the world of fashion. So we went Milan, Italy, Trinidad, and Tobago. People were like, excuse me? (laughs) Those three things don't go together. And we're like, yeah, they do. And then we showed and presented and framed the fashion industry in there on the world stage. And it, it was magnificent. Like, it was in 2012 we did it to this day. People are still like, yo, this is incredible. Thank you. Just Again, framing and positioning. We tell you the value that it has instead of you telling me what I'm worth. I'll tell you what I'm worth. 
if you don't tell me what I'm wrong. Ooh. And when we frame that, the public lost their minds over it. People went, yeah, that's how I see myself. That is what, that is the value I bring to the world. So super proud of that. And another frame that I thought you, cre- you also created is Black in Canada. Can you tell us? Yeah, more framing. Like, yeah. You know, you see the pattern. I'm doing it. It's like you're getting right into the, 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 the behind the scenes of how Ricardo did. That so, line works. <laughs> the, again, the framing of, of Black people in this country. Uh, back in 2008, 2009, uh, I was working at this little newspaper called the Toronto Sun. And uh, it's, it's well known to be, uh, was it right wing? Yeah, Very, uh, pretty much. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. So every time there no was a, ever. A, a, a face of color on the cover, it would have the word beast, animal. Um, I have pictures of this going back months and months and months. Every time there's a black face, there's some sort of derogatory word on really? there with the face. I, I should post it as an Instagram thing one day. Because <clears throat> I did it for like a couple of years. Every time I just see the newspaper, I just snap it. Every time there was a black face. There was a woman who got shot while she was pregnant. And the word that they used was like, it was just awful. It was, but the word was related to another article. Oh. It wasn't related to her, but that doesn't matter. Right. The impression or the frame that gets left is that there's a black woman and then there's this negative word or derogatory word next to her face. Right. So people don't read the fine print. They just get the impression. It's very subconscious. Very, very subconscious and very deliberate. And, <coughs> and we were approached. There were only like a few black people that worked there. And we're like, hey, let's do something for Black History Month. We ended up doing this blog. And everybody was like, we don't know. And we're not sure it's going to be a big thing. And I was like, let's, let's, let's just see. Let's, let's just put it up. And we just profiled um, different black people. And I, I made personal calls to all of these people, really asking them, please be on this blog. And everyone's like, yo, the sun, forget it. I'm like, please, it's a personal favor to me. If anything goes south or they use your name in a bed, I said, I'm going to call you. I'm going to deal with it. I said, I'm in charge of this project. They were like, okay, Ricardo. I just called in personal favors to get people to use their profile or their image on the site. It turned out to be the number one blog in the history of the company. It beat every other blog that they had across nationwide. Mm. It beat hockey. It, beat, it had the most comments. Like hockey had, let's say, you know, 120 comments on their blog. Ours had like 5,000. Like it was not even close. And they would say things like, we don't know what to advertise on there. I'm like, how about Cadillac? Ever heard of that? <laughs> put, <laughs> put the Cadillac ads on the Black in Canada website. Mm-hmm. Said, how about Ford? How about, like, it's the number one blog, but they wouldn't advertise on it using their back-end machines because the, um, the system, because they were like, yeah, we don't think it's going to match our demographic and our profile and all this, like, yeah, yeah. that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, they left, that finished, they wrapped it up, they took the blog down after, shortly after that blog went live. I was uh, relieved of my duties. And I was so proud of that. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, good. I said, well, 48 hours. I said, that's, uh, that's a record. <laughs> It's March wow. 3rd and I'm fired. I'm like, nice. <laughs> After you built something that the is... The biggest blog in the history of the company. Wow. And turned their entire IT department around from the worst department in the 
entire company nationwide with the worst record, internal track record, and also 80 late projects within 12 months turning it around to being the number one department in terms of customer rating and zero late projects with 100 bit stuff being delivered on time. 72 hours later. Thanks, Ricardo. And goodbye. Wow. But it's like we extracted everything we needed out of you. Well, I mean, it was an agreement. I, I knew what I wanted yeah. from them. I wasn't uh, delusional to think that they liked me. I ate lunch alone every day for a year. Wow. Uh, but my let my work speak for itself. And mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, I know what I was doing. I was using their platform to actually shape something for Black History Month. To brand yourself. Brand, exactly. I'm mm-hmm. like, you can't take away results, baby. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you can complain all you want. You don't have to like me. But let's go to the videotape, you know? And... So yeah, that was how that got the idea in my head. So when I left, I was like, there's a definite need for the framing of black people. I'm like, we see, we don't see excellence. We see crime, we see punishment. We hear about priority neighborhoods and all of these buzz and code words. And I'm like, what are the actual numbers? I'm like, I know a lot of black people don't live in those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at the numbers, doing the research. Like what, how many black people live in Canada? Where do they live? Like, and all of this stuff. And it turns out, if you just go to Stats Canada, it's all there. Yeah. Can, it's right, right on Google. 730,000K, <laughs> 730K black folks in Canada just right sh- now. Just shy of a million. Yeah. So when you look at the priority neighborhoods, how many are there in Toronto? Let's assume at the time, I think it was 15 or 17. It was some team. And I went, how many people live in those neighborhoods? It's a few postal codes. It's not very big. Mm. I said, if... Every single person in that neighborhood was black, and they're not. It would be less than 10% of all black people in the country. Mm. So why is that the only image that's being portrayed as if all black people live in these neighborhoods? And I said, where do black people live? They live in Scarborough, they live in Mississauga, they live in Brampton, they live down. They live everywhere, downtown, Markham. I said, those aren't catch-ass neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just regular folk going to work, doing a job, being a nurse, Working here, you know, doing a radio show, doing things, and just coming back home. I said, that's actually the black experience yeah. of a hardworking family. And so why do we only see or perceive black people as trouble as being in these neighborhoods that need donations and need help and <laughs> the community and you know, all of this downtrodden uh, stuff? So I said, let's start promoting the black people that have a degree that accomplish things, that produce creative work, that are chefs, that own restaurants, that lawyers have law firms, that have architectural firms, that like all the black people that don't get on the news because they're not bouncing a ball or having a ball. That's the only time you, you want to interview black people is when they make you laugh or they're dancing or entertaining you. Mm-hmm. Because that is the perception of how, like it's this cycle. So with that, I started this website. I contacted this woman who wrote this book, Dawn Williams, called Black Who's Who in Black Canada. She wrote this book about an inch thick that had profiles of hundreds and hundreds of black people mm-hmm. of just doing great things. You're a newscaster. You're this, like, just regular, regular folk doing regular stuff, but nobody's clapping for you, right? right? And I said, I would love to take this and digitize it. And she said, that's incredible. She goes, write me a proposal. And uh, I said, okay. So I sent her a paragraph on email. I still have that email. 
And I said, hey, I would love to take your thing, da, 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 partner with you and digitize it, get everybody's photos and all of their media, create a whole website. I said, I'll build and do the whole thing. I'll just do it. I'll just build it for you for free. And we'll just promote it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And she was like, fantastic. Sounds great, Ricardo. And the next email right after that was where she sent me the entire database, the book, everything. And said, okay, maybe you didn't understand my last email. I said, I want to partner with you. I don't necessarily want to take it. Yeah. She goes, no, I'm going to give you the whole thing. Wow. I was like, uh, yeah, I don't want to take it from you. <laughs> I just want to partner. She was like, no, you're the first person to ever send a proposal in. She goes, everybody asks. She goes, you're the first person ever to write it on down and send it in. Wow. And I was like, come on. She's like, no. It was all these people say, yeah, yeah, I want to do something. I said, send me a proposal. She goes, you're the first one ever to do that in five years. I believe it. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then next thing you know, she's like emailing all the phone numbers and contacts and all the spreadsheets and everything. And then next thing you know, we took that information. We started uh, writing the profiles and converting them to digital content and getting new pictures and contacting everyone. Because I wanted the pictures to be big. I wanted you to look in their eyes. Yes. I don't need this. I want to see you doing things in the real world. I want your social media accounts. I want. So we did that. We just started profiling black excellence. Like this woman was a judge, this blah, blah, blah. And this is a novice. And we did it across the country, both official languages. And it was really a passion project that grew and touched millions of people. When you look at the numbers and the stats behind it, it hit over 100 countries, uh, millions and millions of views and they use it now as a resource at schools and at universities I, I, across the country our daughters have uh for black history month yeah i told them <laughs> because they were explaining they do the doors and yeah. they decorate the door with their during black history month of their uh, heroes and they were showing me or naming like people like uh you know the usual like martin luther king right, malcolm right, x right. uh oprah all the popular i was like yeah but what about the canadians man there's yeah. like some great heroes and pe- phenomenal people in canada who are black who's done amazing things and they're like you know for example there's a lady who's uh, gonna be on our money she's on the money you know yeah, yeah. And, and the the kids i said just tell your teacher go to like black in canada this is a Mm-hmm. Good startup to see, mm-hmm. you know, who's a out there. Drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it it was teachers do use it, and I'm so proud. There was actually one school that uses it every year, and they have all their students pick a different profile. And there's over 300, yeah. and then they line the walls of the entire school with a different profile, and everybody talks about it. And it's like to think of 300 Black Canadians in our school. None of the profiles repeated, and nobody in sports, nobody in entertainment. There's Maybe a couple athletes, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everybody else is in, there's 80 different categories. Science, math, feminism, you name it. Mm-hmm. And uh, to see th- that depth and breadth of contribution to the fabric of this country uh, is heartwarming. Mm-hmm. And it shapes the minds of young people. And it shapes the minds of other people in other communities as they view us. Because we decide what that frame looks like rather than you're going to tell me that it's only Jane and Finch. Right. There's nothing wrong with Jane. There's also nothing wrong with an architect. Yeah. Yeah. But how did, now that you've created that frame, how, now, now you're in finance. This mm. is a whole different kind of frame. Frame 3, 3.0. <laughs> right. But it's interesting, like, all I, all I hear from this conversation is utilizing a lot of your 
your your passion, your creative mindset, you know, your you have a forthright like, hey, man, I want to get this done. Let me research it. Let me look into it. Yeah, just Google it. You'd be shocked. <laughs> what comes you know how many that? times I do tech support? <laughs> how many times I've said that to agents and I'm like, just Google it. And they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. There's not. <laughs> it's the greatest resource. <laughs> I have built a career <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> It's like someone just said, yeah, just Google it, man. Everything's on there. Yeah. Everything's on YouTube. Yeah. Like I'd want to fix my phone or like install a shelf and assemble something that I lost a manual to. I'm like, I go to YouTube, like how to install this Ikea, blah, blah, blah. And somebody did a whole video on how to put this shelf on the wall. Yeah. He goes, you got to be careful with this and that. It'll crack the paint. And I was like, oh, shoot. And like five minutes later, I'm an expert. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's true. It's I'm a, yeah. I'm a I'm a mechanic thanks to Google. <laughs> so finance, you asked the question about finance. How yes. I... So now, yeah, finance. Now, um, so you specialize in in mentioned before money makers, money makeovers for families mm-hmm. and uh, and entrepreneurs. And so, how do you build? So let's let's go into that. What do you do, like in terms yeah. of the makeovers, <laughs> financial makeovers? It's helping people understand money, how it works. Most basic thing. Most people don't understand how money works, how interest works, how it works for you and against you, how to manage money beyond just having a budget. Like, that's wonderful. Now, uh, yeah, helping people really understand their money and have them understand that it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. I've helped people with very, very, very modest, under a hundred dollars a month, extra dollars kind of thing. And I've helped people with who make fifty thousand dollars U.S. a month, and it's the principles are identical. If you if you can't do it when you have a hundred dollars a month, you won't do it when you have fifty thousand dollars a day. Mm-hmm. You just won't. It's. Yeah. It's the same as working out or eating right or anything else. It's a simple, a simple skill. But once you understand it, it will, in no short order, transform your life. Mm-hmm. We live, the context within which all of us live is economics. It's the entire country and continent runs on economics. And if you don't understand how money works, it's going to be hard. It's, it's going to be a long life. <laughs> it's going to be a long yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a long life. Yeah. And you're not going to understand why it's not working for you. It's, you're going to try to do all the right things. You're going to da 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 And here, and I'm working hard. And I'm like, mm, it's not working hard. Mm-hmm. That ain't the end. That, that's how I know you don't know. You know what I mean? It's like these things and a lot of these things I saw in our community. People say, I got to work hard for money. And I'm like, everybody doesn't work hard for money. Like, let's, let's go to Google. You know? And it's. Let's start digging this stuff up and let's start finding the real answers. And with the company that I'm with right now, we, we focus heavily on education. When we sit with clients, it is the first thing we're going to do is show you how this thing works mm-hmm. before we touch anything. We're going to give you some tools so you can govern your own life. It's not that I know more than you and you need to rely on Ricardo. I am happy when my clients go, hey, I saw this interest rate, this da 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 da, and I switched my credit card. I'm like, there we go. I love that mm-hmm. because now you are empowered. Because what if I drop dead? I said, how are you going to run your life? You can't keep rely on me. I have to empower you. So you don't need me. That's just the sweetest part of this thing. It's like, I don't want you to need me. Mm-hmm. I want you to know. So you just do it yourself. Like, 
Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Thanks, Ricardo. <laughs> no problem. Go do it. Thanks for framing it for me. So yeah, that's that's what I do. I help people, and you know, I have a background in entrepreneurship, and I'm passionate about families and the Black community, and that's what I do. It's. I think one of the things I thought that was very interesting is how you know, w- with doing that, how do you utilize creating content? Because you have you're creative. You you know about building websites. Um, how do you how do you create content in order to for people to find out about you and what you do and the services that you provide in terms of helping people with their you know yeah. money makeovers? The financial industry is highly it's probably one of the most highly regulated industries in the world. Mm. So there's a lot of restrictions around what you can say, what you cannot say. Like there's a reason why people just don't come on a podcast and start talking about how money works because it's actually illegal for us to do that wow we have to sit with someone one-on-one huh to do it most people are like well why don't you just tell me i'm like i can't just yell it across the bus bruh we gotta sit down right yeah and so there's a lot of restrictions around what you can post what you could not post what you can say how you say it could it possibly lead someone to believe that you can do it and take that post i get calls all the time ricardo you need to change this on your bio you need wow. to- oh yeah. yeah they watch they watch like yeah. all right. And I have no problem with it. I'm I'm willing to uh be out there and, and do the things I know what's legal, what's not. And I stay within the lines and I do what's legal and share. So when so most people are afraid to share content. Because yes. if someone goes, I saw that, you told me to do it and I invested in XYZ company and now my family's broken, I'm gonna sue you. It's like this really happens <laughs> all the time. So it's why people don't share. So everyone who knows is quiet. Mm. because they don't want to get sued and lose their family home. And and it's not like our office has been audited and we've been open 24 months. Like they came in, sat down, opened up files, take the stuff out. I need these six clients, pull out their file folder. And they're going through page by page to see notes I've taken, to see uh, what I recommended to them. They're like, why did you recommend that product? What's going on here? And we're like, okay, we did this. And show me the part where you did an an analysis of their finances and their risk tolerance. And here you go. like all of these, they want to see it signed by the client. Wow. Each page initialed. And, you know, good news is everybody in our office passed with flying colors because we do things right yeah. all the time. But we are scrutinized at that level. And people are like, oh, come on, guy, just tell me. I'm like, mm-mm, you ain't going to make me lose my <laughs> Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> so with sharing content, I share the journey. Like I took pictures of us today. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the results that got produced rather than how to specifically do something. So as I create content and I share, it's going to be like, hey, just helped a family today. You know, they're the ABC family. I won't name names Mm -hmm. because of privacy. But here's the situation. It's a mom and dad living in, you know, the suburbs in Toronto. (laughs) Uh, They have a combined income of, you know, 102,000, but they have $40,000 in credit card debt. They have two kids that are 17. They have this, they have two cars, and uh, the husband might be laid off in the next six months. What do we do? They're like, okay, here's what we did for them, blah, 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 blah. Here are the solutions we put in place to make sure that we mitigate against this. How do we reduce that credit card debt? How do we do this? And talk about that specific scenario, mm-hmm. saying these are the types of results we get for people. We can eliminate up to 80% of your debt with a phone call, mm-hmm. which is not bankruptcy and all of these things. And people don't know you could do that. and it's a debt restructuring. 
Like we have other people call on your behalf and do it. And it's just like, uh, I don't know you do that. I said, no, it's, 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 please call me. So like, I get excited. Like one people, I'm like, I'm always like, hey, if you think you have a question, just DM me and like, let's chat about it. And so, and a lot of people do that. And this is where uh, one by one, you're talking to people, sharing information. But I think being a person that's out there sharing and using the platforms and being known for that now and pivoting into this new frame uh, of finance mm-hmm. and being creative about the way I do it is in- incredibly enriching uh, to me. I enjoy it so much, like speaking at a conference or podcasts like today, all of these things. It's, this helps spread the word. This helps people realize that it's not some boogeyman in the closet. It's not this. Right. Oh my God, the money. I'm like, trust me, dude. There's, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to surprise me. I'm like, I have seen people spend $600 a month on organic dog food mm. and don't want to adjust their budget. They're $120,000 in credit card debt at 24%. And they're like, no, I want to keep my dog on organic dog food. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's work with work that. around that, yeah. So the, the beauty of what I get to do today is that regardless of the circumstance, the customer tells me what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do. And then my job is to use my creativity to actually figure out a way to make that work and have them have a better situation than when I met them. Mm-hmm. So, I have a list. I, I wanted to. We'll play a game and, and see what you what you think of the list and and maybe ideas from what I mentioned. So, using social media to attract clients. One, the first one is to actively listen and engage with conversation that's happening in your field. Hundred percent, hundred thousand million percent. Listening more than ever. I want to post. I'm like, you should listen. <laughs> listening, like find people you respect, jump on their feed, listen to what people are saying, uh, events that are happening. Go listen. There's a podcast. There is a conference. Get on the hashtag and like listen. Listen and you'll see patterns. You'll see the same type of questions show up over and over again. You will see uh, pains that people have come out. Uh, and you have to listen beyond just the words. You have to listen to what's behind that. And the more you listen, the more you'll be like, okay, people are talking about student debt. You're a millennial. Oh, everybody has student debt. Okay. So what do we do to create content around attracting that audience so you can help them with that? Mm-hmm. There's not much you can do with student debt, especially if it's OSAP. Like, yeah. Here's my recommendation. Pay it off. <laughs> <laughs> we had a friend that told us. He's like, just pay. <laughs> this, yeah, no student. this, it's, in my opinion, um, I have to be very careful with how I word this. It's among the most destructive debt you will ever have in your life or in the history of debt on yeah. the planet. Wow. It's that bad. Like, you are not able to ever get away from this debt, and it will sit with you your entire life until you pay it off. Mm-hmm. It's, I believe in the future, it'll be the first debt that can be passed on to another generation. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I can see how they could probably structure laws and things like that, too. Mm. If you can never get rid of it, when, if you pass, what happens to that debt? Where does it go? Somebody pays it, which means the next generation is going to pay it. Mm. And people aren't thinking That's 50, nice. 60 years into the future. But as I plan stuff for people, I'm like, yo, we have got to. Like, so there's defense and offense when it comes to bills and debts and these things. Defense is cutting back, saving, tightening the belt. Like, everybody knows how to do the defense, right? But offense is having your money work for you. Mm-hmm. And I literally did the numbers for someone the other day in my office. And he was like, oh, I have this $30,000 debt and blah, 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 and I got to pay it. But they're calling me. I'm like, okay, how much are you paying a month? 300 bucks. Okay. 
do the math. How long will it take you to pay off that debt? $300. I apologize. It was 16000 or something. Mm. And it was 10 or 12 years yeah. of paying that. Mm-hmm. I said, no. What? That's defense. Just working hard, sweating, and paying that debt. I said, what would happen if you stopped paying and invested that money at 300 bucks a month? So we did the math. And I said, once you get a good interest rate and that money is able to compound and grow, we were able to pay off that debt in full in seven years. Wow. Like just showing up, me like, what's the balance? Boom. I was writing a check for the whole thing in seven. Now, that's offense. And most people don't have the stomach for an offense because they want to have a car and they want to have a home. I said, I know, but if you pay off that debt and just work and pay, it's still going to be sitting on your credit for 15 years. Mm-hmm. But if you clear that off in seven, I said, do you have a car now? Do you have a home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, what, what are you trying to buy? So in his scenario, the unconventional response would be stop paying that debt and start investing that money and then get a good interest rate on that money and have the money work for you and the money can grow faster than the debt because the debt is compounding at 6% interest, but I'm able to get him uh, double-digit returns which is more than a 6%. So the money he's paying is growing faster than the debt is growing. Based on the type of savings or insurance or investment. It's investment. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, baby. It's like, it's all about that interest rate. So if I'm in here at six, but I'm able to get you a double-digit return, you're winning. Mm -hmm. So you will win the race, which is why he could pay it off 10 years sooner by not paying the debt, but investing. Mm-hmm. unconventional everybody doesn't have the stomach and it's not right for every single person in every scenario but given his scenario it was a very serious option that he's considering and he's just like out of it like what are they going to do <laughs> I said you say yeah I'm going to pay you off in seven years yeah yeah keep charging me interest and you'll come back in seven and pay the whole thing off One check. and now you'll be free in seven versus having another ten then how old are you going to be in seven years how old are you going to be ten years after that Imagine being 17 years, making the payments, feeling good, and you're debt-free, and you have a zero investment. You have zero money. You have zero savings. You're like, Hmm. so understanding the options that are available saved him 10 years on his life. Oh, man. That's that's huge. Mine explosion. Boom. (laughs) Yeah, it's huge. These are the kinds of things I enjoy discovering with people as we sit down and say, like, yeah, most people would not tell you to not pay it back, but I'm not saying don't. You have to pay the debt back. It's like it's rep- how you pay reposition. it back. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's like there's a different play you can run to get the same result other than just sweating for the money. Sweating for the money is the slowest, hardest way to pay anything. Mm. It's like once you understand how compound interest works and how that works for you, I can give you example after example of people with $90,000 in debt. We're able to restructure that, like get them into savings so they can start a family to literally someone yesterday. She was in my office yesterday. I said, what is your dream? Like, what do you want to, where do you want, like, what would be a dream in terms of finances for you? Like, oh, $100,000, like $100,000. She goes, is that too much? I went, I don't know. It's like, it's different for everyone. I said, what's your dream? So if I could have $100,000 cash, I would be beside myself. I would feel so comfortable. My life would be easy. And I said, okay. Started looking at her stuff, blah, blah, blah. She's an RMT. She makes about 
60 grand and has a little bit of debt, you know, and mm-hmm. oh, 12,000 debt credit card. Uh, we were able to show her how she could reposition that to a different company, get that interest rate down to zero, pay it off in, you know, 18 months, 24 months, and take that same money of $400 a month that she was spending on credit cards, making those payments, which she's had for years. Said, how about you keep 100 bucks of it, and you give me $300, and we start investing that money. We're going to get it in at a good interest rate. We're going to compound that money. And in less than 10 years, she would have $100,000 cash. I said, now what are you going to do? I said, so we're in 2020. So 2029, mm-hmm. you're going to have 100000 cash, and your dreams come true. And she was just flabbergasted. She was like, wait, you mean I could do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, 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 you could, you could do it. Now, that's without, that's the same money she has, the same expenditure. She doesn't have to make a penny more. She just has to clear off this debt and take 300 of the 400 and keep an extra 100 bucks just for walking around money. Get mm-hmm. some extra spending money, and we're going to get you to that 100 grand, and your life doesn't change. So it's really about how you slide these dominoes on the table mm-hmm. that really give you a different result. And she was extremely happy to see because <laughs> she didn't know that she was like, what do you mean I could make a hundred grand? I said, you only know to work for money. That's the only, th- everybody, like, no one knows how to have money work for you. Money can work for you way harder than you can ever work for. Yeah. So she could earn a hundred thousand dollars cash in 10 years from her money mm-hmm. rather than trying to work to save $100,000. She couldn't do it. You physically can't do it. There's mm-hmm. not enough hours in the day to do that. I say, what if you break an arm? What if you hurt yourself? What if you need all of this? What if the economy changes? I'm like, your money never takes a break. Yeah. 24-7, 365, <laughs> the money's like at work all the time. <laughs> like, you can't beat that. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So yeah, I get a lot of joy. I ramble a bit, but uh, I get a lot of joy of showing people how to completely transform their lives uh, around money because doing black in Canada, being like all of these things are fulfilled for me in this, in this, with this company, because when you transform someone's life around money, you not only change their life, but you change every life that comes after them. Yep. Their children, their grand, like I'm looking three generations out mm-hmm. and I'm like, your grandkids are going to have a different life because mm-hmm. I showed you how to make a hundred grand in 10 years. It just makes me think of uh, something you shared in your Instagram. I thought it's it's a picture of overlooking the um, the cityscape from mm, your from your building. From my son's room, yeah. Yeah, from your son's room, and how you and your wife and what you do and the hard work that you're doing to that's going to be passed on, and how it's going to make it um, more fulfilling and easier for him. And I thought that's kind of that's interesting, and it makes that kind of content just makes people like, oh. What was he, what's that about? <laughs> right. So people will comment on that. They will leave a question or they'll say something. And that's where I engage. Mm-hmm. Your question is around engagement. Yeah. And I post those things deliberately to provoke thought and questions. And I'm looking for people who, who are tuned into that frequency. Mm-hmm. So if it's, if everyone's not going to catch it. Yeah, yeah. But when you're on that frequency, you're going to be like, hey, Ricardo, that's <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, what's that? And now I'm engaging in actual conversation with people yeah. who are looking for me. And now we can have a conversation around finances and money. Let me, all right, let's have a coffee. Let's have a conversation about 
that in a deeper way. Um, yeah, it's 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 the laser approach versus the shotgun approach <laughs> to marketing versus I need to get everyone. I'm like, first of all, you don't you can't handle everybody if they showed up, right? Like, so figure out how many people you need and go after that many people. But make sure it's tailored. Make sure it's I like to call it bespoke. Mm. You know, it's it's custom. I am a bespoke type of human. I'm not for everybody. I have views and positions and I cuss a little bit and, it, and it's not for everybody. And I get that. And I'm like, so I'm bespoke. If, you, if you're talking to me, you, you, uh, you're different. And uh, I understand that. I don't try to change. I enjoy who I am. Respect other people. and I, I do my thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for people who are looking for me. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help everybody. I can't help. This is, I want to, and I know I can't. Yeah. Because you don't want to just, because you will disappoint if you try to handle everybody. No one can handle everybody. Exactly. Nothing is, anything that's for everybody is for nobody. There's nothing that's for everybody outside of oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We can continue. Oh, there's so much more in this social media. Come on, give me get a question. We'll do rapid fire. We'll we'll do, rapid. Okay, real, yes, rapid fire. Respond quickly to inquiries on social media. Yes, important. No, uh, yes not that no. important. It's, it's important if you're at a function, something's happening right now, and it's like, it's going, it depends on the size of your following. Do you have people helping you, or are you just doing this yourself? Like, within 24 hours is kind of like a rule of thumb. You should get back to people within that time frame. Uh, but not in the minute. I don't, I'm not on there every minute, every now. 24 hours. How about invest in social ads? That's, a, that's an interesting one. If you have a product, a service, a thing you're doing that people need to see, it is the number one way to reach your targeted audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't printed a flyer in almost two decades. And everything I do sells out because it's 100% social, 100% online. and making sure that you're keeping and tracking people's email addresses. Because mm-hmm. they'll change a platform, but they ain't going to change their email address. Right. And once I have your email address, I'm able to communicate with you for years and years. That's beyond. funny. That's funny you mentioned email because that's part of the list. Build oh. your email list through what? offers or free offers. or yeah. Offers, signups, uh, Eventbrite, do live events, have people have to register on there to get a ticket. Like whatever you're doing to get that email address. Um, it's critical. People keep emails for at least, I think the industry average is 10 years. Yeah, that's, yeah, I've had mine for that more, but yeah. Longer than we Facebook has been around. Yeah. People still have the same email account. True. So people will switch from MySpace to Facebook to Instagram to Snapchat. The platforms will change. But the email. email address is the longest thing that you will keep. So that's the biggest thing. Number one. Ter- number one. Number one. That email. Number one. No, Figure forget about likes. I will take an email address over money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's that important. Yeah. We have a list of thousands of people, and as I pivoted from one thing to the next, what allowed us to do that was that I had everybody's email account. Mm-hmm. So I can say, hey, everybody, I'm changing. I'm doing this now. Yeah. If you want to come along, you know, this is what I'll be doing now. So everything like, you did as a brand builder and your art, all that list. All of it. Back to university, mm-hmm. back to high school. I still have everybody's email address and phone number. I, I am, uh, people are shocked at the numbers when my phone will have like 15,000 contacts in it Yeah, because I don't throw it, I don't throw it out. A good tip is 
make your 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 phone backup contact a friend there's so many people that don't do that they, they and i mean it goes in the cloud it's free google oh. samsung google apple won't charge you for you to back put back listen. your contact to their cloud you are nothing without those like you don't have a business i speak oh i want to start a business i said give me your phone how many contacts are in here i said you can't you can't do the business unless you have a big bank account. if you have I have thousands of people in my phone. I have zero dollars and I want to launch a product. I could literally get online, email everybody, and start making money tomorrow for zero dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, if I don't have contacts, I have to pay for ads. I have to pay for this. I, you I just have to pay. Yeah. And if you have to pay and you don't have money, Man, we're I don't care to, what your business idea is. It ain't going anywhere. We're going to have to invite you back and maybe do like a brainstorming session on how to build like an email list, especially for someone who doesn't, you know, if you're, you know, there's people who start from scratch, right? They'll yeah. start a blog or they'll start, um, you know, they have, like you said, they, they have a product and how do they utilize to, to sell that product <laughs> online, right? But they don't have that much contacts or they, they didn't do the backing up. They don't know the they have the up. contacts. Yeah. Sync your gmail and email sync your contacts sync mm -hmm. it up to linkedin like start syncing all of the sync it with your phone sync all of those things together and you'll be surprised yeah you, you know a couple of thousand people and if you don't know how to do it just google go to youtube type yes. in how to sync my contacts I'm yes like, i promise you there'll be a few thousand videos <laughs> <laughs> um do you what do you think about social media contacts contests to attract customers for your products or service that you offer That'll be the last question. And then we'll wrap it up. We're getting the rap signal yes. here. It's going to be losing. Wrap it up. Yeah, if, if it's appropriate for your audience, uh, it's always contextual based. Like social media is about customization mm. and individualization. So it's not like this works and this doesn't. It's like, who are you talking to and does it work for them based on what you're trying to sell them or engage them with? Mm -hmm. And uh, if it does, go nuts. If it doesn't, use the next thing. Mm hmm. Ricardo, we could go on forever. There's so much more I want to cover, but we'll have to invite you back. Yeah, that means round two. You yes, to we're going to have to have a round two. two. <laughs> Producers pointing like, yeah. Wrap it up, Wrap it up. <laughs> These two talkers. <laughs> so people can find you online, ricardomccrae.com. That's ricardomccrae, M-C-R-A-E.com. Yes. It'll be in the description, the details yeah, you can, of the you podcast. You can Google me. You can find me. Most, I'm, I spend most of my time these days on Instagram. You just go on there, search for Ricardo McRae. And uh, yeah, just that me as a friend. I have to say hello. Yes. I'll say hi back. It's, it's that simple. Thank you for coming to the studio. You're like my first in-studio recording, man. Ooh, nice. <laughs> yes. Top Thank three. You. It was a pleasure. It was really great. Thank you for having me here. Um, I love what you guys are doing and how you're doing it. And it's been great work you're doing. Keep it up. Thank you. And thank you for helping our family with our finances. You are welcome. Anytime. Now I can sleep and I know the kids will be, those kids will be all right. That's right. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that was financial broker, podcast host, TEDx speaker, Ricardo McRae. With a focus to help elevate our community and families becoming financially independent and debt-free, Ricardo does all this through a personalized financial solution for you. Visit ricardomccrae.com. That's Ricardo, M-C-R-A-E.com. Or follow Ricardo on Instagram, Ricardo McCrae, E-W, M-C-R-E-A-W. 
and let Ricardo know how you found out about him, his services, and his content. Thanks for joining us this week on Black Canadian Content Creators Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter if you just at Black Canadian CC. You could subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, or via RSS. I would really appreciate a rating on iTunes or comment on Spotify. To be part of the group, visit bit.ly forward slash black canadian cc and that way you can interact with not just ricardo but all the other members who were previously on the show and so many more all right till next time bye